everybody. Welcome to the Tech Raptor Podcast. I'm Robert Scarpinito, your features editor. Andrew Rotten, editor-in-chief. Rolage Doggett, site founder. Andrew Stretch, acquisitions editor. Yeah, because we have our weekly Ooh. acquisition roundup, because uh, that's just been a thing that's been happening for the past four weeks. Uh, we're also going to talk about uh, Rogue Tower later in this episode, and also a bit of Dying Light 2. Uh, but first, let's get into the news. Uh, Sony now owns the studio that was formerly known as the Halo Creators. Bungie. Bungie. Uh, <laughs> Bungie ropes, right? What a childish that, that... way to pronounce that Rutledge. I don't understand. <laughs> it's Bungie. We all know that. Right. Uh-huh. It's, it's all it's all Bungie. Uh, yeah, no. So Sony owns Halo. Microsoft owns Crash Bandicoot. The world is upside well, down. No. <laughs> Sony owns the company that Sony owns the developer formerly known as Halo. <laughs> yeah, th- yeah. They used to be known as ha- just Halo. That was their name. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a funny turn of events. Just an absolute wild run of acquisitions. And like any big acquisition, this has probably been in works for months at this mm-hmm. point. I've just got to feel like the Sony PR team and, and you know, everyone C-level in Sony that's about to be like, yeah, we're going to we're going to blow everyone out of the water. We're going to buy Bungie for five billion. No one's going to see this coming. It's going to be huge news. Um, and then they get the the take two acquisition and then the Microsoft acquisition weeks beforehand uh, yeah. that absolutely blew the wind out of the sails. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, if, if we didn't get the Microsoft acquisition, I feel like this would feel like much bigger news. I mean, it still is big news, right? Mm-hmm. Like totally. there's just something about it that's like, yeah, but it's, it's not $69 billion, is it? What's crazy to me is that uh, Bungie's worth that much. Well, worth and value is a very weird concept. Like it, that, that doesn't mean anything really. It's what Sony was willing to pay. Mm. Um, but I'm just surprised it was that much because that's a lot. I wouldn't have guessed Destiny Two was that at all. It was worth, yeah, three point six billion, right? Yeah. It's just crazy to me that like Bungie did Halo and then stepped away from Halo, got bought by Activision, left Activision. Now they're at Sony, and uh, I mean, I'd love to see them do like Killzone. So, yeah, um, them yeah. them getting I'm put sure on they're Killzone stick would be great. Destiny. Right? I mean, maybe well, this will give them the resources to do Destiny and something else. So that's not their entire focus anymore. Yeah, they've had multiple teams working on Destiny for a while. I know that definitely in like the the overlap period between one and two, they had their kind of live service team working on all of like the DLC and the packages and the additions that a lot of people would say is what made Destiny really good compared to its original launch. That then when Destiny 2 came out and it was in kind of a half ramshackled uh, spot, you know, it definitely seems like it's it's gotten there or is at least getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they have the ability to to have people working on like the live service aspect of Destiny Two, and we're like less than a month or just a month away from their next big expansion as well, the Witch Queen, yeah, still telling the same story of um, of Oryx and and the three kiddos, uh, Savathun. I've forgotten the other two's names. 
Yeah, you know more than me. So, we'll say <laughs> you're making this up as far as I'm concerned. I was the person who who played Destiny at launch and thought, uh, it's okay, story I didn't really care about. And then I got deep into the, like, the lore cards that you'd have to pull up on a separate website um, mm. and just like into the deep lore of the Vault of Glass and the first expedition and the origins of the light and everything. And fantastic story. Really, really, you know, Bungie does world building right. Whether they deliver that is another thing. Um, but it would be it would be cool to see them continue with, you know, their own baby, Destiny 2, um, while also uh, kind of, I guess, stretching their legs, getting out and doing more. Yeah, because, I mean, I feel like uh, it, to me, kind of makes sense that Destiny is worth this much, or, you know, at, at least that Sony paid this much for it, because I feel like Destiny 2... It's not exactly the same story as Final Fantasy 14, but it has that same energy of like came out eh, you know, it was fine, whatever. Right. But after years and years of them building on Destiny, I feel like the the public reception for it now is way better way than it was two, three, four years ago. Yeah. Um, so this for Sony now is going to be a continuous like inflow of money as long as, you know, that Destiny 2 doesn't implode or anything like you have the diehard fans, right, who still play Destiny Weekly or like, you know, just are huge fans of it. Then you have the people who would come back every expansion. And I'm willing to bet that there are probably new people who are going to jump in on like Witch Queen, like never played sure. Destiny before. But they're like, what's this all about? Let's find out. Right. It's an interesting one because I, I don't think Sony doesn't have any like first party stuff. That's like a. This is a games as a service kind of game, do they? Hmm. Like, this would be the first one. Because all their big, you know, tentpole stuff is a single-player narrative-driven mm-hmm. thingy. Yeah. Uh, so that's yeah, it. really shifted to making those, you know, we only make blockbusters. Yeah. Um, which at times has kind of shot them in the foot. I think it's a little bit odd to see such a quick turnaround between... Bungie celebrating their independence yeah. <laughs> away from Activision and that publishing deal to then immediately turn around. I mean, this is I have absolutely zero clue how the internals and finances of a big budget, you know, triple A studio go. But I wonder whether um whether they were having a little bit more difficulty being just on their own than they expected to have. Uh, it could be that, or it could simply be, "Hey, we'll give you a few billion. We'll give you billions of dollars for this thing." And they're like, "Oh, okay." Like, <laughs> we don't need to compelling. worry for years. Yeah, sure, you're set forever, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah, because that's what I'm wondering: is it more like who wanted the deal to happen more? Like, was mm-hmm. this Sony overpaying, or Bungie like willing to take anything? You know what I mean? Yeah, because it um, felt like they weren't really in a bad spot. They're doing really well. Like you're mm-hmm. saying, like the, the the reputations changed some. It's pretty popular. Like they were player counts pretty good, and it's like so. What's uh, I don't know. It's, it feels weird that they don't really need the the money of Sony or the hierarchy of Sony to get them what they needed. Right. And then at this point, Dying Light Two is free to play on all platforms. Dying Light With Two like... is free to play. It came out. Sorry, just no, last not Friday. Dying Light Two. <laughs> Sorry, Destiny wow. Two. Wow, Destiny Two is. I was like, dang, dude, it's been. Not even 48 hours. <laughs> yeah, they made everything back and they just said, hey, yeah, go. 
Um, but no, uh, Destiny 2 has been free to play for like almost a year now at this point as well. And I think in Bungie's statement, they seem to, to quite heavily allude to continuing to support all platforms. Yeah. Um, now, I think Destiny has since day one always had year long um year-long content that is locked to PlayStation's platform. So I have a feeling we'll probably see that get a little bit more heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a new expansion yeah. will come out and it will be not just like one armor, one weapon, and one strike, you know, as as PlayStation exclusive, but maybe like a portion of the map is only available on PlayStation for a year. And in a live service game with cross-play enabled, um, I can see that being a huge, a huge uh, driver to get people over to uh, to the PlayStation platform. Yeah, just really leaving that Stadia version behind, huh? <laughs> what? That <laughs> what version? That Google Stream version? Well, one thing to call out too in in Sony's earnings call, they also mentioned that they have plans to launch ten live service games by twenty twenty six. So they have wild, none going from that none are. To- first party to 10 over the next what, three four years is oh no that's what Ragnarok's i mean that's gonna be that's a big big commitment to make and also if it pays off could be very very big for sony so having bungie kind of at the forefront of that um especially with another major ip in the works by bungie um is is that could be very interesting and, and be a huge boon to sony's platform i wonder if they might end up like almost competing with themselves like you know in terms of your weekly activities you complete you've just got to like boot up and hop from playstation game to playstation game to make sure that you get your weekly content fulfilled and then by the time you've i somewhere a a sony exec just you know what i mean (laughs) nutted yeah (laughs) just that description was just too much and just yeah. by the time you're done playing through your weekly tasks on all 10 games, um, you know, you look at a clock and it's like, oh, it's Monday morning again. Got to roll back in. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Remind me, too. Didn't didn't Jim Sony, Jim Ryan, didn't he say that this isn't going to be the this isn't the last of the acquisitions? Like, yeah, expect said more. That there's more stuff coming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, who knows how many more studios like, that Sony is threatening more. Microsoft is threatening more. Insiders yeah. are saying that they're like hearing bubblings of this, that and the other. Mm-hmm. So it's... it'd be interesting to see what the first like big Japanese company to fall is because they've there hasn't really been one yet. From software. <laughs> I mean, that's I mean, everybody keeps talking that... about Capcom, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. going to be interesting, I think. We've seen the landscape shift over the last couple of years towards live service more and more. But the only ones that survive are the ones that execute well. Uh, Destiny, Genshin. Um, Anthem. You Anth- <laughs> <laughs> almost got oh, him. He was going to list it. <laughs> I, I almost said it too. Um, it, it seems to be kind of the direction the industry is heading. Um, while I don't think we're going to see you know single player games take a huge decline i think the money potential that comes with a live service game that is successful is huge yeah mm-hmm. and that's probably why sony's gonna have 10 coming out in the next several years because it's they're just throwing darts at a board and hoping one sticks yeah, yeah i mean one or two could pay for the rest yeah uh, look at look at genshin and, and the money that it's generated for 
the last no, year. Yes. Yeah, but they use yeah. cheat codes on that, man. They're they're like using waifus and stuff. Like that's just like not fair. <laughs> hey, you saying Sony can't make waifus? I bet you they could. I, they can, but it's just like ugh. I mean, they turned Aloy into a waifu. Yeah, right. the yeah, the gamer bros really love her. Well, Aloy is a waifu in uh, in, Gen- in Genshin Impact now, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, is she? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she, she was available for a short amount of time on um, on PlayStation exclusive, uh, but now she's just available on all platforms. You just get a free five star Aloy character and her mm-hmm. bow, but her her signature weapons only have their special ability if you're playing on PlayStation. What fucking <sighs> is that? <laughs> How weird That's is so that? Dumb. So, like, I, you know, I can pull it up on my Android phone and, you know, it will load in Aloy, but she won't have any special ability, like, on her weapon. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's shitty, but it's also, like, damn, Sony. Like, that's pretty, like... Well played. Fucking A. <laughs> yeah. Sony's, Sony's been pretty creative. good about, like, knowing where to where to dig the knife for the that exclusive content. Yeah, like, like Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man yeah. and Avengers. Oh, yeah, the PlayStation Advantage. Yes. Didn't Spider-Man yeah. only release, like, last month? Mm-hmm, and it's we, oh, we were talking about successful games of service games. It's weird we didn't mention Avengers. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's the biggest one. <laughs> Interesting. Right. Yeah, I, I feel like with the Sony, like, with where Sony is now, like, if you look at their stable of games, like, obviously they have a lot of those big first uh, single-player adventure Mm-hmm. story blockbuster hits yeah those sort of things um but not much else right and i feel like bungie is gonna fill that like that shooter <laughs> void that they have because you know without kill zone without resistance i mean you, i mean sony has what call of duty but yeah. that's no, they micro, soon to be microsoft <laughs> yeah, right <not> now <laughs> yeah um battlefield, so who knows but the latest battlefield tanked as well no that one's good ea liked it remember they they said it wasn't uh it wasn't a piece of shit, right? <laughs> um I don't know what the Steam numbers are saying though. That's a whole nother discussion. Yeah. So I see Bungie as like, okay, they're filling that niche, right? So is PlayStation, is Sony trying to go for like we want a developer for all sorts of niches? Which is making me think Guilty Gear was a PlayStation and PC exclusive. To this day, Strive is not on Xbox still. So I'm curious if Arc System works as maybe, Hmm. you know, on the dartboard. Yeah. Would, would, like, because that's been one of the big questions that I've had in my mind with the Capcom rumors, is that Capcom does so much with Nintendo. Like, Mm -hmm. is PlayStation willing to to play ball there? Um, Otherwise, I think that, you know, that makes Capcom seem less likely to me. Yeah. I, I think they are. If they're willing to play ball with Destiny, I think they'd be willing to play ball with Capcom being on Nintendo. Because like Destiny or Destiny 2 is not going to be removed from Xbox or PC. You know, like it's going to continue yeah. to be on those platforms. On the topic of Capcom, um, Megman Legends 3. Mm-hmm. Oh, honey. <sighs> was, was, that, uh, was that it? Yeah. Is that all? <laughs> I'm still sad. Yeah. I like what people think Capcom. I mean, it's all it's all Resident Evil stuff. People are talking about now, right? Yeah, Resident Evil, maybe so. Street Fighter Six if that's happening. Oh yeah, Street Fighter also I'm shifted sure it to will. PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That'd be pretty nuts if if play if that'd be an interesting play if Sony's gonna be like, all right, we're gonna try to corner the fighting game market in some fashion. Because like, if they were to get and Street Fighter, oh yeah, that that would get, be just huge. to get Arc System Works as a developer, like they 
all of their they're a top tier fighting game dev. Yes. Like, it would it would be especially huge uh considering the fact that they don't have two USB ports on the front of their console. <laughs> <laughs> well, because yeah. if I remember right, I at least up through the PS4 generation, like the PS4 was the Evo machine. Like mm-hmm, yeah. every Evo used PlayStation. So be they're pretty tight. If they could uh you know well, they, I mean that's they the right rabbit Evo too, don't they? <laughs> yeah, you're right, they do. Oh, so maybe, yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. So oh, yeah, maybe maybe, maybe they're going for the fighting thing. game thing. That would yeah. be interesting because like fighting games are one of the kind of live in the shadows. Like if you if you don't pay attention to them, you will just not know they exist. It's very easy to not pay attention. To they them. might be taking like the same approach as your local ISP in the United States, and like Xbox is gonna you know pull all of the shooter esport under it, and then Sony's gonna pull all of the FGC. And yeah, because Microsoft's going to own MLG, right? And then, and then PlayStation owns Evo. So yeah, hmm. oh boy. And that leaves Valve with what? Dota. They got the international. Yeah, yeah. they've got like mobas and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's still not the most popular moba, but right. Oh, and they have Artifact too. Way. You guys remember that? <laughs> I interviewed for that. <laughs> I interviewed Richard Garfield. And, it, it and at about some the point, we'll get Overwatch 2. What was, what was great about that Richard Garfield interview? Well, nothing really. But oh, the, okay. uh, Well, the cool thing was I sat next to Ben Brode when I was playing it. And mm. People know who he is. Maybe, you know, the original lead dev on Hearthstone. Uh, and so we were talking about Hearthstone nice. while we were playing Artifacts. <laughs> 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 and then I went and uh, interviewed Richard Garfield. And I was into this humongous, massive loud can't hear anything that he's saying fan and i had a recorder out and i when i listened to the recording it was just worthless <laughs> <laughs> and i talked to him for like 20 something minutes nice <laughs> speaking of worthless star citizen <laughs> uh the star citizen is is a thing <laughs> i think you'll find it's Damn, worth millions of dollars a plus transition Thank you. Uh, Star Citizen is a thing. It's uh, probably one of the biggest scams in the world. Who's to say? Uh, It's been around for 10 years, and they recently uh, announced this new roadmap change where they're saying, in basically, in the effort to be more transparent, we have decided to not be transparent with our roadmap anymore. That's right. We ain't telling you shit. Yeah, because they have found that when they say, like, oh, we tentatively want to do this feature... And then the next roadmap, they say, we're not doing that feature anymore. Weird. Uh, people get upset. You mean those people that have put in a bunch of money already to help you make this game are holding you accountable? No, that's ridiculous. Something? That's ridiculous. Right. You you invest quite heavily in sheep coin and stuff, correct? You know the feeling. <laughs> so as someone yeah. who has invested in worthless things before, um, how much are you in debt with for Star Citizenships? Uh, none. <laughs> because I am very good at spotting a scam. Yeah. How do you explain just... all those ships in the background of on your wall? All those pictures. Oh, all those sheeps. Sheeps. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know. I mean, I keep Star Citizen is something like I know of it, but I just do not pay that much attention to it because every time I hear about it, I'm just like, yeah, that looks like a massive waste of time, well, it was like effort, an instant money. No, from day one. Especially like post Kickstarter. Everything on paper and back makes it sound fucking amazing. I mean, same with No Man's Sky in 2016, right? Yeah, well, yeah. That is is the exact comparison I was going to make. So, my roommate in college 
when this launched 10 years ago, um, he did get into Star Citizen. Um, he only like bought in at the entry level, but I had the same vibe as he was excitedly explaining to me Star Citizen. I got the exact same vibe as someone excitedly explaining No Man's Sky to me. It's like, I understand that you're listing out core features, but I don't see where the game is. Yep. And that's always been my problem. And the fact that we're coming up to the 10 year anniversary and there's still no game. Well, you know there's, what? you can walk around your hangar. I know you, can, um, ships you can do like flight time trials. I believe they put out the FPS module like three uh, years ago, four years ago. Remember when they put out that Squadron 42 trailer with Mark Hamill? Yeah. Wasn't oh, that yeah. like five years ago now? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't know, just everything about Star Citizen always feels like there's something off here, right? Like, let me just read the first sentence of their of their uh, notable changes for February 2nd, 2022, which is a weird way to say, here's our roadmap update, right? Notable changes for is such a weird way to phrase it. But just listen to this and tell me if anything sounds sus to you, okay? When we remade our public roadmap in 2020, our goal was to truly lift the veil on development and show the progress of our entire company, right down to all 50 plus development teams and each anonymized developer on each specific team. So you could see what deliverable they were working on currently and plan for the next three quarters for a full 12 month view on development. I mean... So do they not know who's working for them? <laughs> they yeah, yeah, that's what it kind of sounds like. Fifty separate development teams. Is that fifty say? separate development teams, but each one's anonymous? Yeah, disjointed development like that is a terrible. Idea. Sounds like they they wasted a bunch of money trying to develop something that people could see. Like yeah. I mean, like, 50-plus development teams, that makes sense in, like, in an Activision, in a Rockstar or something, right? But, like, and that they're all working on different things. Yeah. 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 50 different teams working on 50 different different things for one single game. I wonder if they mean, like, here's, this is the art team. That's one development team. Or, you know what I mean? This specific, this is the animate, the ship animation team. That's one team. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, stuff like that, if they're just... It's not really fifty teams. It's just like fifty departments. Yeah, it, it might be more more that. Which would they make said... sense, but like, why? <clears throat> what's with the anonymity? Well, it, that I don't understand. So that you're I, not. Let's say. Let's say I could get. I get that point. Like, some feature comes out that people don't like, and they're like, "Ah, this fucker made it. <laughs> right, <laughs> this guy. But, we're gonna harass that guy." So yeah, I, I agree. I agree that it should like be anonymous or in a way because you know you don't want to dox people right but you yeah. don't see rockstar put out a fucking statement no, it's that's such like a weird our, thing our anonymous developers are now working on grand theft auto 6 right they just say our developers or we're working on right um and the way they like they brag about it later in this graph they're like we shared publicly a whopping 450 plus features across 52 teams it's like dude what does 450 yeah. plus features even mean anymore like that's such yeah. a meaningless number yeah, it's it's part of the grift, right? It's I mean that's the whole way with they're trying to do this that transparency you're talking about with the the anonymized team showing you exactly what they're working on. It's because they get constantly accused of you're not doing fucking anything and you're stealing people's money. Like and this is them being overly defensive to be like, No man, this is look exactly we'll get you day by day, task by task, this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. It's no. 
Yeah. Like it's, it's one of those things where, you know, when you think about those really big games, like the ones that have come out, like if you look at a Grand Theft Auto 5, I would believe there are 450 plus features in that game. But like when you say that, it doesn't mean the same thing as like getting it in your hands and feeling it, you know? It's also like, like at, at what point do you define a feature? Yeah. What does that yeah. mean? Is like the ability for your character. Forward? Yeah. Is your ability to walk up to a park bench and sit down a feature? Mm-hmm. I mean, Is getting a haircut a feature yeah yeah i don't know you know what maybe we're just thinking about this wrong maybe chris roberts is such a visionary Mm. that he's been developing the metaverse all this time and we just didn't know this is the metaverse that's right star citizen is the metaverse yeah no i don't i don't know if i believe that one (laughs) yeah i mean they've brought in 400 million dollars since 2012 Mm -hmm. like and that was as of last year. Who knows how much more has been spent over the last 12 months. Like, how do you not have a product yet other well, than well, just making people on like create four new ships over and over again? It's a million dollars a feature. That's what, that's what we're looking at here. I, just... <laughs> I can't wait for it to officially release someday. Because it will. There'll be something. And for it to not be good. It'll be a 2 out of 10 on Metacritic. Uh, watch everybody's be like this watch it be amazing watch it be the the leap forward in, in technology and we're just, like, Fuck. Yeah. have we ever had a game that has been like no guys we're working on it just like kind of sitting and and spinning in neutral for so long i mean like final Duke fantasy Nukem, was pretty great maybe yeah final fantasy 13 versus that eventually became 15 oh that's right <laughs> oh yeah that's what that started as yeah. yeah and that totally spun out as well started as a lightning spinoff yeah, and now that'll be that'll be Final Fantasy thirteen versus that became fifteen that became Kingdom Hearts four. <laughs> that be well the Kingdom Hearts three remind DLC first and maybe as a pit stop. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Oh, just a quick refresh. Yeah, Spore was eight years. Last Guardian was nine years. Two Human was nine years. <laughs> Team Fortress oh, nine. Human. Final Fantasy fifteen ten. Prey the newer Prey. I guess mm. is eleven years. Uh, I mean, Diablo that was because that was meant to 11. be Prey two for the longest time. That right, they became... the longest was Duke Nukem Forever at yeah. fifteen years. Which when Duke that Nukem. released, everybody loved it. Yes. Oh yes. yeah, one hundred percent. Highly Game of the year ten out of ten. I love games that in the first level you can walk into a bathroom and pick up a turd. Yes, that's right. Because well, uh, they, they called it Forever because they knew that's how long everyone would be playing it. Yeah, yeah. I'm still playing it. Yeah, right now to this very moment. Yeah. They walked out onto the E3 stage and said, put down your controllers. You don't need anything else here. If you, and if you look under your seat, there's a turd for you to pick up yourself. Right now. <laughs> yeah, that's I, that, that's what Star Citizen is to me. It's a turd, yep. if I'm being honest. like I, I enjoyed grabbing a bag of popcorn and just watching it. I love like, the news for it. Yeah, yeah I mean, same. from a... From a concept, it is a really cool idea. Like, oh, yeah. if you don't even think about actual implementation, bringing it to life, any of that stuff, everything they've always listed off, if it were executed on, would be incredible. Yeah. The problem is there has been such a lack of transparency and honesty and uh, even forward progress for the most part where I just don't have trust that putting money into it as a gamer is is worth it. Um, I would rather, if I were going to invest, I would wait until there was it was out 
at that point I would put money in. But they're using these, hey, you can only buy this now well ahead of a release. Um, this ship won't be available later to, in my opinion, grift. It's like, it's like buying fucking NFTs. Um, it is really the best oh, example I can so give you're right saying... now. You're buying a JPEG that's going to quote-unquote go into the game. Not only was Star Citizen such forward-thinking, they invented NFTs before we even named them, but they're also creating the metaverse. So, I, I you know, I'm coming around to Star Citizen. They're just They're just ahead of our time. So how much money did Mark Zuckerberg give you? Mark? Yeah. To promote the metaverse? Just a couple billion. This here. I told you not to bring it up on the podcast. Mm, right. <laughs> right, right. My bad. My he, bad. He signed, he signed an NDA. Uh, yeah, I when I look at Star Citizen, it's just this uh, kind of huge cash grab is the energy that I get from it, right? Mm -hmm. And what I find so funny is that even if I were the kind of person who like 10 years ago was super duper excited for this game, I feel like some games have come out since then in those 10 years that kind of fill the the niche, the void, the... We already mentioned one. Yeah, like, I mean, you've got No Man's Sky, but then there's also like Elite Dangerous, right? I mean, that's Mm -hmm. just like a space... That's like Euro Truck Simulator in space, basically. And that's part of what the pitch for Star Citizen was. Exactly. Like you can buy a flight stick and like use that to, you know, pilot around in space. Like if that's not the Star Citizen promise, I don't really know what else is. Yeah. And to a certain extent, Eve Online. Like Yeah. You've already got this insane number of ships that you can pay an insane amount of real money for if you want to. Eve always so. has as an aside, always has my favorite gaming stories of all time. Oh yeah, some of the the Eve sagas are insane. (laughs) Like galactic, it's amazing. Yeah, it's crazy. So, yeah. So that's that's Star Citizen. If you paid money for it, I'm sorry, but uh, leave your flame in the comments below. (laughs) If you've read anything about Chris Roberts, so if people don't know, he's the mastermind behind it all. Uh, I don't. I I genuinely think he thinks that he's he is that visionary and doing this and creating something amazing. He's obviously getting money out of it too, but like I genuinely think he's like I'm going to rock the world with this. Like the oh, world yeah. will never be the same after this releases. He's What was that? What that. was that interview that somebody did with Peter Molyneux where they just asked like are you an egomaniac or oh. whatever? Oh, are you a uh, are well, you a liar? That was rock rock That's what it was. Them. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I think that's of. The very first question. Yep. All right. Well, let's let's get into games that you can play. Uh, let's get into games we've been talking about and playing. Uh, Otten, you've been playing some Rogue Tower. Oh well, yeah, Rutledge was the one. Tell me about this. Maybe he should start with it. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Rutledge, yeah. yeah you tell us about Rogue Tower. So this is. I mean, it's this little game that you know a, a lot of people look like they've been playing. It's it's an interesting concept. It's essentially a roguelike tower defense where you start with one square, which is your tower, and then each wave you essentially procedurally generate the next square um and then you've got which has the path in it yeah which has the path in it and then you've got you basically start with a ballista tower and then based on every starting out it's every three rounds you get a card that you can either it either adds another tower if you choose it or enhances your towers um and then it's you know typical roguelike once you die, you've got some experience. You go and spend it on a skill tree and start all over again. Mm. Um, and it is... I I mean, I like it a lot. It's 
there's a bit of strategy to where you place your towers to where the terrain has heights and based on the height it gives a little bit of extra damage to the tower that you place there um there are things on the map that you if you place structures next to them you get a bonus so like if you place next to a mana cube uh a mana conduit it increases your mana which allows you to place more towers that use mana um or like the mine uh you can put a mine next to a gold vein and it uh, increases the health of your like final structure uh your base and has a percentage chance to repair it um Mm. every every round so uh, there's kind of these like these small things that uh make it interesting for me um and it's just i mean tower defense is always fun from a just kind of put on a show and keep playing perspective for me yeah i get that it's kind of like a balloons tower defense sort of thing but then like it keeps expanding the map every couple minutes yeah yeah Yeah. and i mean and it gets insane like at a certain point like you've got to scroll all the way out to see the entire map and Mm. um it, it just gets very very large and keeps growing so um and then there's like rather than it being just health there's as you'd expect like health armor shield and then you can add bleeds you can add poison to hit certain things a little bit harder Mm. um so there's there's just a lot of depth to it um and i'm enjoying my time so far hell yeah what about you Otten? are you enjoying your time in the rogue tower Uh, uh, i i I, the idea of it is a fantastic one i think uh mashing up tower defense and roguelikes is a really cool idea um and it's a really difficult idea, I think, to do well because one of the things with tower defenses is that the good ones, anyway, like the the design of the map is important and very specifically crafted for a specific reason. Um, so I think they have a pretty difficult design dilemma ahead of them. It's like, okay, how do we make it to where you can dynamically react to the terrain and what's coming at you um, in a satisfying way? I think it mostly does that. Hmm. Um, uh, I haven't played a ton of it yet. It's I'm really wondering if the progression is going to be enough to keep me interested. Because uh, the, the towers are all pretty. If you if if you're a tower defense person, that's all pretty. You know it. You've played these. You've had this kind of stuff before. Uh, I guess one of my big things is that, is that it doesn't explain a lot of mechanics um to you uh and i've been because ha- i've played a bunch of tower defenses I, ba- I more or less know what they're doing and how it works um but I, could, I definitely could see someone being very overwhelmed particularly when you like go to their progression thing it's this massive <laughs> tree of stuff where you spend experience that you gain after you know a run mm. and it's humongous with all this stuff and let's say unlock towers and not super well explained either like what what towers do and until you try them out um with that said though it's definitely fun um you don't have any idea what what's coming at you at any time so you kind of have to be prepared for everything right but honestly like is is it fully released not early access right i think it's fully out I think it's early. Oh, it's early mm-hmm. access. Yeah. yeah. Is it? Okay. Mm-hmm. So I can definitely see some stuff. Like there's there's definitely some 
rough around the edges stuff going on with it, but it's it's neat. I mean, if you're a tower defense person, I think you'll like it. Uh, there's 12 of us out there, so if you guys are listening, right, you have to find them. We're one. Um, or no, it is out. It's it oh, just it's dropped oh, okay. uh, patch 1.05 the other day. Oh, there and you it go. Looks like they're making a lot of changes. I hope so. Um, I mean, it's it's got a potential to be a real big hit among the because I. Tower defense is such. Uh, there's not many out there. <laughs> like balloons is kind of what everybody knows. It, it's well, the, the big tower defense one. market kind of shifted to mobile as touchscreen became more of a thing, didn't it? Yeah, I don't know. There's not. I didn't. I don't like any of the. There's a lot tower of tower defense games. Now. Yeah, but it's it's good time. The concept work. Uh, it mostly works together. I think. Um. I, it's just I think it's 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 definitely hard to to balance the roguelite stuff with the tower defense, which are usually pretty structured in terms of strategy. Yeah, I mean, there's times that the map will absolutely screw you over. Oh, you'll get, uh, I mean, but that's any roguelike, right? You're, yeah. you're gonna have a bad luck on a run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but, but I mean, it, once you get the mechanics down, it gets it gets simpler. Um, yeah. What's frustrating time. is that you can't speed anything up. That drives me insane. That I will sit, agree with. You're sitting there like, okay, let me just get through these early fucking levels, like, <laughs> or something. Like, these, these guys are running along the path. Yeah, thank you. Okay, let's go. Like, it yeah. just takes so long. You think they would add that, considering how many times you'd probably have to play through uh, the, the beginning I would, few? I would consider it now with where how the tower defense genre is, that is kind of a staple mechanic that should be in any tower defense. So it yep. should come. That I'll agree with. That is a little frustrating. Like, when yeah. you're in... Uh, especially when you get like into level 30 ish um each run is 10 minutes yeah, maybe um it takes a long time because you're <laughs> so far back and right. the enemies have can take so much damage that uh it just i mean it takes forever to finish a run you just um, start it up check your emails maybe quickly go and get a drink Dude, Come it's like back. one of the perfect games for like you got a movie or show to catch up on play mm-hmm. some rogue yep. tower it is. It really that. is. Like, I'll have a show on one screen in Rogue Tower. I'll just be like, okay, I got my yeah. towers placed. All right, hit play on the episode again. But um, I guess I'll just, it, it scratches the tower defense itch that I always have. I'm always down for a new tower defense game. There's just not that many that come out. Mm-hmm. I mean, for $14.99, it's, it, it's, it's a solid experience that you'll probably dump a, a good number of hours into. Yeah. Um, Where's solid, Defense yeah. Grid 3 coming out? That's what I want. <laughs> Oh, that's did good you to review know. the second one? Like I did. That was our ago. one of our very first ones. Yeah. yeah, I guess the first time we showed up on Steam. Mm-hmm. First time I remember being quoted on Steam. That that's was one of our early site. quotes for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's Rogue Tower. Rut, have you been playing anything else? Uh, Vampire Survivors. Nice. A lot. Yeah, and that, then Hunt Showdown, great... obviously. Yeah. Um, but and then uh, one I do want to talk about is uh, Achilles Legends Untold which mm. is a isometric top-down Souls-like um, that has a uh, preview going on right now. For So just go to the Achilles page, download and play. And it's, I mean, I've been playing for like three hours and there's still more content to get through. So it's it's oh. a pretty hefty preview um, that uh, is very, I mean, it's it's a Souls-like. It's, it's brutally hard. Um, if you're on PC, play with a controller for sure. Um, and, uh, the PR people, uh, we went back and forth a little bit. I obviously, um, 
they sent out a press release and I asked if I should play or watch Troy in the background while I play it. Um, and the response was, well, we did include Brad Pitt's signature uh, sword stab. Um, so, yeah, so you, I mean, that's a selling watching feature. Troy in the game. Yes. That's right. You are Brad Pitt. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, we the main look character... forward to all of your uh, cut together, like quick compilations. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Achilles in the game reminds me a lot of the Brad Pitt from Troy. So it, it was, de- there's definitely an inspiration there. Um, mm. But yeah, check it out. Especially if you like Souls Likes. It's, it's pretty robust and, and solid. Nice. All right. That, and that's Achilles Legends Untold. Uh, Stretch. You've been playing more Dying Light too. You want to talk more yeah. about it? Yeah, I've been destroying through. Finished the game. Spent. How did you find five hundred hours to do that? <laughs> yeah, the the simple answer is I did not, and I don't mm-hmm. think that so I needed to. So you're not done to. with it. It it very came very much came down to like I can see how they could have inflated to you'll need five hundred hours to play this. Very much in the same way that there are 450 features in Star <laughs> Citizen. Oh right. no, that's um, not a great comparison. Dying Light Two <laughs> is like Star Citizen. Well, it's just like when you when you get into like the the nitty grittiness. Like even at you know I got to like 60 hours play, um, or like 65 hours probably by now. Um, you know I was almost at maxing out both of the skill trees. Um, I had done a hard sweep through four out of the 13 regions to try to find as many collectibles as I could, complete quests, mark down locations um, that I could, you know, and then there's no, uh, there's no manual saving. So if you want to see decisions done differently, you know, technically you would need another playthrough for that. But for the most part, I really found that it was a lot more of illusion of choice rather than choice. Um, I think I alluded to this somewhat uh, when we spoke about this, I think two weeks ago on the podcast, but um, it would be that even in segments where you weren't aligned with a, a certain faction, that faction would still be the one to show up at the next important quest marker. It would just be whether... Um, you know, this this other faction walks through the door and has something nice to say to you or walks through the door, cusses you out, but then everything else continues. Hmm. Um, and I mean, there's turn- really only three main choices that impact the, the ending as well. Yeah, as far as we could find, there was only three. Um, two of them were very obvious. One of them's kind of obscure, but um, even then, you know, it's even for the people who might be really interested in finding all the endings, like the the achievement or trophy hunters, there's only one trophy or achievement just for finishing the game. So I have a feeling that it's going to, a lot of the choices in Dying Light 2 are going to boil down to, right, I finished the game, time to, time to find on YouTube the other endings. Hmm. Um but it's fun, like in, you know, and I said the same in my review as well, is there was a lot that was kind of overpromised with Dying Light 2. But what it boils down to is that it is competently more of the first game. Right. So if you were someone who was really into that first game, then have at it. New world, some new abilities. Um, the crossbows are absolutely broken. They fire like semi-automatic. 
um, <laughs> which is just unreal to watch happen. Right. <laughs> yeah, I started playing it yesterday or Friday uh, for, at the time this podcast comes out. And it's because because I was interested in it more for the parkour. I was looking for basically a Mirror's Edge 3. That's just, I guess, with oh. zombies, right? And I think the game is pretty good at that. And and that that's it. Uh, <laughs> that's how much I like of it. it. It is really good, you know, like the parkour feels nice. Um, the story has a very uh, just cause energy to it for me where Aiden, Aiden has big main character energy Aiden like, kind of sucks <laughs> yeah it's like you know new person walks into town no one knows him you know no one anything but like oh hey we're having real troubles um come and meet with our leader the very top of the top of just everyone in this city um and you guys are best friends now because we don't have the time to properly develop you guys being friends Mm -hmm. um, but now you're the central crux in fixing the city. Um, yeah, like there, there's just something about the writing of the scenes and the dialogue where there's like they're going for that cheeky, almost Marvel ish. Like everyone has a funny little quip to say, but none of them quite land. So it, it kind of almost Ooh, feels a little. Give me an example. What's one? I oh, mean, I can't even like they're just so not memorable to me. Like I know mm. Hack on he he's the first guy who like treats you nicely. Like he's the one who helps you out when you get to the bazaar, and he he's that like you know classic rogue roguish pucker kind of you know cheeky boy. Like mm -hmm. I don't know. Does, doesn't and joke Hakon's, on some... Hakon's whole thing is like you know you will meet any kind of really friendly or really unsavory character, and he will in some way say, oh that's. Like my third ex-wife, uh, you yeah. I would come oh, home with dirty okay. boots after stomping zombies, and she would flog me till the morning. Ha ha ha! And then you'd be like, "Oh, you know." Then you'd meet a really nice person. It's like, "Oh, so sweet." Like my third wife, uh, like my fourth wife, like my fifth wife. It was just like a lot of. Just, he consistently goes back to, you know. Look at me, I'm a schmoozy womanizer. Yeah, and, and for context too, that first the first time I re recognized, remembered him saying um, the third wife thing is like, so, you know, your character gets, I mean, spoilers for the first hour, your character gets infected, right? And you you're, you turn into a zombie if you don't stay in the sunlight or UV light. So narratively, part of that is you have these, these like flashbacks to your childhood where, where you meet your sister or well, like two, two times when you're spending time with your sister and uh it's very traumatic and like aiden is like struggling you know he's like heaving it's painful for him right um so he has one of those while with hack on and then when he when aiden comes back to reality hack was like yo are you okay and he's like yeah no i just and just remembering some stuff or whatever right and hack on's like ah you must have blocked out that memory that's what i did with my third wife and it's like <laughs> dude this is, this is not I love the this time guy. i don't know man it just it did not I land right the way you're describing him, he's my favorite character. I mean, um, he is probably the best yeah. character so far, but there's just something about it that feels off. He definitely has... He feels the most fleshed out mm. of all the characters. Oh, that's um, not a good sign. At least sign. that I've encountered. Um, yeah, there's... Uh, I, the parkour is good. I will say that. Combat is boring as hell. Um... The, there's kind of the, again there's there's this fallacy of choice with the choices it's basically um 
and I don't think this is a spoiler, but like there are essentially the Ubisoft towers that you can claim. Um, and you have two options. You give them to the peacekeepers or you give them to the survivors. Survivors. Um, survivors. The survivors, if you choose them, you each thing you give them gives you a little bit more options with parkour, like zip lines or jump bags. Um, and if you choose the peacekeepers, it's like, hey, there's like more traps on the streets. And that's pretty much the extent of it. Um, mm. Vendors don't really change. Craft masters don't change. There's no like, hey, you get special items. Um, it's just like either you move around easier or you can eat zombies faster. Um, Probably the like the biggest decision you need to make in the game. Um, you know, I made for the peacekeepers. Then the next time that the story had me meet with like the leader of the the settlers or survivors, um, you just I had like he had a throwaway dialogue line as I was approaching him where he said, "Ha, huh, I'm not I'm not happy with the choice that you made, but you know I respect that you made it." And then it just carries on. It's like, oh, okay, like I don't. You never feel invested in any character or taking any side because everyone's genuinely a nice person. Um, in this weird fucked up zombie world. <laughs> Very yeah. unlike The Walking Dead. So yeah, yeah. the anti-Walking Dead apparently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I guess for me, I've gotten to the point where I kind of skip most of the dialogue. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm just not feeling this. It, it's just a little too, uh, not even like campy kitschy, but it just, it just doesn't land. You know, it just I think it's, it's feels taking hollow. itself a little bit too seriously. Yeah. Oh, um, oh man. That's too there's bad. also some weird stuff in like the upgrade tree, like that you're that you're like sprint and slide to be able to to run and slide is an upgrade option. And it just feels kind of the same way that you might say that um like having the speed up is such a an integral part of a tower defense. To be able to just like run and slide from the get-go in an in an action game. Um, it kind of feels like they were removing features for the purpose of creating upgrade opportunities. And it's very jarring at the start of the game. Like you are sprinting, jumping across fucking rooftops and then like, nope, got to stop and crouch to go underneath something. Um, yeah. So in this game that is very fast paced at times when you're outrunning the zombie horde or whatever, the fact that I have to essentially go from 60 to zero um, just to go underneath something is it it, it kind of takes you out of it very, very quickly. Um, and the fact that you have to get a couple of levels up to unlock the ability to slide is just strange to me. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, overall, you know, I think I think Dying Light 2 is it's fine. I think the people who are looking forward to this game, it just seems We're gonna like love it. It's, yeah, it's exactly yeah. what they're looking for, right? And I think there there is some kind of just kind of chill out basic fun with like yeah i'm just jumping across the rooftops occasionally bash a zombie in right like you know it's kind of relaxing in a way for that right where you just kind of zone out um but i am super not invested in the (laughs) the fate of villador or you know whether the peacekeepers or survivors i don't care I, i really don't yeah i i went around so i had run around the map to unlock all of it so that i could make the like baseline maps for us to put the collectibles on top of Mm. and to me that was fun like literally just sprinting full speed yeeting across rooftops and stuff 
I had more fun doing that than probably trying to get through the main quest. Um, because it, like you said, I just don't feel invested. Like, I don't feel like I have a vested interest in, in either side other than just wanting to um, run around and, and eat zombies. Yeah, like that was the best part of Mirror's Edge Catalyst. Like when you beat the game, you just can run around in the open world. And I'm like, OK, this is this is what I'm here for. I just want to mm-hmm. you know, jump across rooftops and stuff. So if you want to play a fun parkour game, there is a it's like if you took like the, the arcadiness of Tony Hawk and there is a, a PlayStation portable game called Free Running that it just gives you a large open world um, and somewhat complex controls that you need to like remember to do gainers and stuff. Um, but that is a satisfying parkour game to play. Ooh, okay. Might be worth checking out. Yeah, weird throwback to the PlayStation Portable. <laughs> the one everyone has, of course. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, but that's Dying Light 2. You can read our review on the site now if you haven't checked it out yet or if you've been playing it yourself. You know, let us know what you're thinking of the game. Um, but I think that does it for this week's episode of the Tech Raptor Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. And if you did, please feel free to give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Um, and if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, feel free to leave us a comment below. Let us know what you've been playing this week in the, in the beginning of the crazy period known as February and March of 2022, where all the games are coming out and it's kind of nuts. Um, And if you're listening on YouTube, feel free to subscribe as well so you can get the episode in your feed every time we drop one on Mondays. Um, If you need more from us, we are at techraptor.net where we're always publishing news, reviews, features, and so on every day of the week. So feel free to check us out there and we'll be back right here on this feed next week. See you then.